afternoon and welcome to the One America podcast. We have a great guest for you today and I'm very excited about him being on because he's a United States congressman and he's our first uh, guest that's a member of Congress. He won't be our last for sure, but I have with me today uh, Virginia Congressman Denver Lee Riggleman III, great name. He's a native of Manassas, Virginia. Uh, He grew up here. He went to Stonewall Jackson High School, graduated where he played football, got married, went in and served his country in the United States Air Force, um, then went on to UVA to earn his bachelor's degree, and has really served his country in an amazing way. And he is, of course, now a sitting United States congressman. And we're going to talk a little bit about that with him. Also, I think worth note and something that I love is that he also owns a distillery. We're going to talk about that too. And uh, Congressman uh, Riggleman represents Virginia's 5th District. And as you know, that district in the 2020 elections made national news because he was ousted by the Republican Party of Virginia in a literal drive-by convention, folks, where they literally were in cars instead of doing a primary, which is what I think is democratic and what we should do. Uh, in Virginia, the Republican Party here has the option uh, of doing a convention if they want to do that. And so he lost his uh, re-election. In fact, didn't even get to run in the journal because he was defeated in the primary. And we're going to talk about that, but He's been all over the media. You've seen him on CNN, PBS, everywhere, been in the Washington Post, uh, and uh, I'm delighted to have him here. Congressman, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I appreciate what you're trying to do. This is great. Well, I want to get right to it because I know your time is tight. Give me a sense, Congressman, of where you see America right now. Let's start with the big picture and we'll work our way down. Where is America right now in terms of our unity, in terms of social justice, in terms of uh, the COVID crisis, the economic distress, and where are we right now as the world's really, I think, last great republic and democracy, how are we faring right now? Well, you know, I, th- I think it's been better. That might be the understatement <laughs> of yeah. the decade. Uh, I think it's been better. But I do believe that a lot of these issues that you see, Sophia, that there's this, um, I think there's this there's this clash between reality and non-reality right now. And when that happens, when you don't even have the ability to have a conversation based on fact, and, you know, you're pulling from this sort of menagerie of conspiracy theories or you know, alternate facts, right, that are pushed out on social media or certain members of the press uh, or even political leaders, I think you have a very tough time trying to help others but also trying to serve in a way that's honorable. And I, and I think what you're saying is that when you're talking about either social justice or you're talking about how COVID-19, uh, what that reaction has been to COVID and how we're treating that, or even, you know, conspiracy theories about the election, you're, you're seeing this rift based on really a a lack of belief in reality or those that are trying to take advantage of otherwise good people by pushing you know this sort of alternate reality onto them through massive means through through the media or through social media or through other methodologies so that's what scares me about what's coming up i've always liked to deal in facts based on my background the intelligence community and the military and being a ceo of multiple companies but i tell you i think right now it's really this 
this battle between reality and fantasy that's that's causing a lot of the issues in the United States today. Yeah, you know, I think I agree. This morning we all awakened to a series of tweets from the Arizona Republican Party uh, that really set Twitter on fire where they were calling for their people to step up and they used the uh, Rambo, a clip from Rambo saying that he was willing to die, are you? And that thing went viral, and it's, it's another example. You see secretaries of states and election officials in Georgia and in places like Michigan and Arizona have been threatened, their homes stalked uh, by some of these Trump militia types of uh, people threatening to kill them, kill their family members. Uh, the secretary of state in Georgia's wife has been sent the most vile types of sexualized texts um, Congressman, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I've never seen anything like this, and I don't think you have either. And so I think my next question is, how did we get here? I mean, it can't just be Trump. Trump has to be, in my mind, a symptom of what was already there. But give me your thoughts on how we got here. I think, I think uh, really, I think this has been ignited, you know, for, for maybe... 20 years or more as you've seen the advent of I would say those who peddle you know misinformation and I think that that is a, it's a slow burn that has now exploded into sort of like a social contagion or a virus you know it was it was before when I was doing you know work against you know radical Islamists and, and when I was doing counterterrorism work uh, that when we looked at this you know there was coded language there were memes uh, there was something called steganography uh, where they were hiding information and unclassified social media and code. You know, we, we went through this, and a lot of this was hidden, right? It was it was it was sort of this subterfuge. Now that coded language of memes has has turned into or morphed into directed language of violence or stupidity. If you look at Arizona, you look at Kelly Ward, and you look at what's going on there. That is just a descent into insanity and a specific call for violence. Let's be honest. Um, and you know what? They'll say it's a joke. Right, and that's what you're seeing on the on the far fringes of the right is that when they use things say like Pepe the Frog or they use these memes, they say, Oh, don't take it seriously, it's just a joke until you have two Yahoos go to the Philadelphia Convention Center, right, to straighten things out from Virginia, you know, with weapons in their vehicle, right? With QAnon stickers all yeah. over their home. Yeah. I mean that's that's the issue is now we have directed language where you're seeing this descent into madness. And that is what we have to fight, just like we have a I would say a coronavirus vaccine. We need to inoculate against disinformation. We need to, you need to use facts to do that. But I'm seeing something that is unprecedented. I agree with you. And I think it's the multiple areas of infection through the different avenues on social media. You know, it's not just Twitter and Facebook. They have Parler and Gab and BitChute and Rumble, right? You know, YouTube is trying, you know, but you got YouTube. Everything, there's so many areas that people can be infected that I think we need a massive disinformation inoculation using big data, uh, using machine learning, and using facts-based analysis to confront this. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, um, if you live long enough, you'll see anything. But I knew that we were in trouble when, you know, when I wrote my last book, E Pluribus One, Reclaiming Our Founders' Vision for a United America, and I underscore the United America part, it wasn't that the Founding Fathers ever thought that we would always agree, that we would always get along. In point of fact, Virginia and Massachusetts or South Carolina and Rhode Island probably rarely agreed on anything. Uh, they had different views. Slavery was an issue. 
There were a lot of things that divided our founding fathers and the founding of this nation. However, the one thing that they were always united on, which propelled them, of course, to declare their independence through Thomas Jefferson's pen, was that they were united in their belief that there should not be tyranny, that there should be freedom of religion, that there should be freedom of speech. And one of the first things, Congressman, as you know, that they put into the Bill of Rights and the Constitution was the free press. Talk to me about these assaults on the free press that have really been unprecedented, particularly coming from a sitting U.S. president, and the assaults on the CIA, the FBI, the intelligence agencies. What does that do to a democracy, to a democratic republic, uh, when, when the leader of that country demeans those institutions? I think part of it's... Uh... When you start demeaning the very institutions where people are taking the oaths to the Constitution, where, you know, I've been there. I mean, you're talking to somebody who was in this, you know, pretty much in the Protect America consortium, right, of, of agencies and also the military. When you start destroying the foundations of, I would say, a republic, you become the sole source of information for people who feel disaffected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's the issue. Radicalization happens sometimes not quickly but over a long period of time where you're introduced to concepts that you know initially seem absolutely nuts but in a year or two when you're in an echo chamber or when you're targeted algorithmically say through social media when you have all these avenues bombarding you in these echo chambers all of a sudden you become radicalized in the language and you believe things that you wouldn't normally do and by attacking our institutions what you're doing is you're setting up an alternate reality or an alternate government structure where they're the only ones telling you the truth and we know at this time that's absolutely just bizarre right it's, mm-hmm. it's, not, true. Just, it's not true it's just yeah. it's just simply made up and now we have people you know that believe that aliens you know uh, and us have a secret base on mars together i don't know if you saw the article this i morning, did but, uh, I, from did. The Post. <laughs> I laughed out loud Right. I mean, it's 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 obviously an elderly gentleman, even though he might have had three decades in the space agency in Israel that has been disconnected from reality, whether yeah. through some type of issue. Right. Or age or he's disconnected from reality. And, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a parody. To be honest with you, I thought it was like an Onion article. Um, and, uh, and it might be a parody. I don't know, because sometimes, you know, it can be pretty subtle people are writing parody but that that's that is hilarious to me but the amount of people who believe this wouldn't be hilarious to people and as you know sophia wrote a book called bigfoot it's complicated about conspiracy theories and you know and how they can actually metastasize and now you're not only seeing this sort of untruth non-factual um garbage uh, or this rubbish you know being spread um you're seeing it starting to metastasize internationally through germany and italy and by the way the largest sort of group internationally that's embracing bizarre QAnon type conspiracies is germany and that should concern people you know that this this is now going international um and, and we have to stop this and again sophie i think it's people like me like you i think it's the media that has to get in front of this and tell the truth and that's why when you you start destroying the foundations of what makes us great because you want to grift or make money or you want power. That's when we as Americans have to fight back with everything we have on the fact-based sort of foundation and, and have the strength to stand up um, and say, you know, some of these things are ridiculous. You know, the NSA did not manipulate votes. Um, Dominion did not have a Venezuelan actor that embedded code. Um, the, uh, let's be honest, there was no, there was no invasion 
you know, of a barracks in Germany by the United States Army. I mean, that is absolutely ludicrous. And we got to fight back against those people that um, that say we need martial law. And I, again, a free press is absolutely, gosh, you know, without a free press, we're doomed. And and, and yeah, are there times I disagree with the press and I've been painted unfairly and manipulated? Of course, but that's the that's then you then you fight back again. That's the transparency in the First Amendment. But but by and large, I've been treated fairly. And I think people need to understand a free press is really a foundation of the United States of America. Yeah, I think that's right. So so let's talk about what I think is probably the most disturbing development I've seen as a political scientist, as a, a professor, a writer, someone who loves this great republic and loves this country. Look, I'm a, I, I say this, I've written about this, I am a direct lineal descendant of slaves on both my mother and my father's side, and on both sides, slave owners. So I have the blood of slave owners and slaves coursing through my veins, and uh, that is the American story. That is uh, that more perfect union, the evolution of where we started to where we we became, and I wish that my great-great-great-grandparents were alive to see what their great-great-great-granddaughter became and is still becoming in this great country. They would be in awe, I think. I don't think they ever could have thought that far down the road, and I, I am disturbed and distressed um, in this last election cycle, Congressman, about the, the injection of socialism and the use of the word socialism and and there's this big fear of socialism that America's uh, turning into a socialist country and while you and I would probably agree as as uh, conservatives or center right I would say conservatives is that sure government's too big and we need to uh, get the deficits under control things Republicans used to care about my concern is this this conspiracy theory uh, kind of fear-mongering. What, what do you make of what's happened to the Republican Party, particularly in um, this last election cycle? Well, first of all, that's a lot to unwrap. Because I know. I share the fact that, you know, you have the blood of slave owners and slave coursing through you makes you so uniquely American. And, you know, I was listening to you, I actually sort of got uh, little goosebumps, you know, that we have this ability to change things if we work hard enough, even through something as evil as slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and look at you, right? Look at the amazing things that you're doing and, you're, and what, you're, what you're trying to change in this country. And I, and I give you complete props for that. Um, as far as you know, socialism, I find it funny. The Republican Party is going to be very difficult to fight the ever-encroaching you know, hammer of government if we can't even... You know, can't even get out of our own way with conspiracy theories on the Republican side, right? Mm-hmm. And we can't have a majority of Republicans thinking, you know, that um, Democrats harvest babies for adrenochrome. I mean, and we can't we can't have a majority wow. of you know Americans thinking that you know there's there's a you know a, an Israel an Israeli plot to take over the world. This this rampant anti-Semitism that's happening right now and under the banner of QAnon and certain groups. Um, that's what's happening. And if we can't, if the Republican Party can't find a factual baseline to, to, to fight for individual liberty, the Republican Party will become a third or fourth right. uh, party in the United States. It will become a fringe party that only dabbles in the insane. And I, and I think that's really sad when you see, you know, we're, we're the party of Teddy Roosevelt. We're the party of Abraham Lincoln or Ronald Reagan, right? It, it's Dwight Eisenhower, Everett Dirksen, Dwight, oh, Margaret I, Chase Smith. I could go on and oh, on and on and on. Grant. On and on. You know, yeah. people forget, you know, 
it was the Republican Party that stood against slavery. We yeah. sort of lost who we are. And, you know, and I think um, for me, I guess I could call myself a Republican. I guess you would too. But right now, I think there's a new, I think there's something new. And that's just fact-based Americans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? We're the fact-based Americans that are trying our best to make sure that our Republican doesn't go down the rabbit hole of the bizarre, bizarre conspiracy theories and, and, and hashtags like where we go, one we go all, or digital soldiers, or Great Awakening, or Trust the Plan. Um, all this ridiculousness, this coded language that's identifying people with a group that is just peddling horseshit. You know, that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think I think a couple things um, that, and, and I want to stick a little bit. Uh, we got about you know another fifteen minutes here because I want to get you out of here um, so you can get to your next appointment. But back to my great great great, I think five times removed grandparents on my mother's side, uh, Viney, who was a slave girl, and Grandpa Henry, who was the slave owner's son. The Alfred Plantation in Georgia, which is actually a famous uh, plantation, it was very large, and um, uh, they they talk in a genealogy about how one of the sons ran off. Well, that youngest son, which was my great 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 grandfather, he ran off with the slave girl he fell in love with, and they ran off to Oklahoma first, which would have been a border state, and then went off to California, and they had thirteen kids together. Thirteen. Uh, she was a seamstress, and you know, he did various different things, carpentry, building, etc. But, you know, if I were to meet uh, Grandpa Henry, um, I would love him and hug him as much as I would my great-great-grandmother. And so it is a, uh, because what what a love story, right, that would have taken for them to do what they did back then. They must have really loved each other. And, and I bring it up to say to our listeners, there's always hope in the midst of the worst and the darkest and the most wicked things we can come up with as human beings to do to one another they're always going to be as Mr. Rogers used to say you know find the helpers and I think of my great 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 grandparents and I think of their journey and I think of America and how America was evolving at the same time and what she looks like today and I want to pick up on that point congressman and ask you what you think because I really want to know, on my last podcast I interviewed, we actually did a two-part segment with a a conservative here, businessman, educator in Loudoun County. He's a great guy, good friend. Of course, he's he's a Trumper, and, you know, he's always saying, well, nobody listens to the white people in this country. Nobody listens to the white guys, and we have stuff to say, too. So I said, okay, I'm going to give you the platform, and we're going to talk about this. And it was fascinating to me listening to the world through his lens versus through mine and people of color and I guess the question I would ask you is what is it that you think the Trump voters are what's driving them what is it that they're not getting from America what are they upset about what what are they afraid of that has them acting like this because it it is bizarre to think that they believe that QAnon like there are pizza parlors where Democrats, Hillary Clinton, and others sexually molest children at these pizza parlors. That's real, folks. That's not made up. What's going on with these voters? What What's going on? You know, I think if, um, if I were to explain this with compassion, first of all, yes. um, I think it's this. Bad things happen. And I believe that sometimes people... Listen, I was brought up pretty religiously, but sometimes... There's not a supernatural experience or supernatural, um, 
I would say outcome or somebody that's going to help you based on the fact is on this earth, bad things happen. And I think it's been this combination of massive, um, and I'm not just saying center-right Republicans or conservative ideology. I'm talking about far-right screaming yes. that sort of seeped its way into the collective psyche or memed. So I'll give you an example. Um, this is, I will connect this, I promise you, okay? Here we go. No, no, I'm listening. Uh, 1947, Roswell, right? All of a sudden, articles come out. They think there's flying saucers up there. UFO sightings exploded, right, mm-hmm. after 1947 because it became memed to American culture. 1958, mm-hmm. Jerry Crew found big footprints, went into the media. Actually, they were faked by a guy named Ray Wallace, but it actually metastasized and memed where Bigfoot was seen, where Bigfoot was your natural. If you heard something crazy in the woods, like a coyote scream, you automatically felt that Bigfoot was coming to try to take you into the woods and mate with you, right? Mm-hmm. So... You know, and, and so you see this far right crazy that this deep state, this cabal, these coups, the fact that people are against you, um, bad things happening are the problem of the government. You know, I find it amazing that people who believe in individual liberty believe that government has so much control over your life. Think about that irony. That's very and so, true. Right? And, and I find it incredible, right? We have people who believe in the Constitution who, want to, who call for martial law just because they lost an election. It's, it's, it's insane, but they don't see it as insane. They see it as a fight. You know, for the fabric of some kind of America that they've been told um, is, which I would humbly submit it's not. You know, freedom of thought and individual liberty is the most important, not forcing people to believe the way Absolutely. you want to believe. Absolutely. Right? And so I think in, in a loving way, or, or I would say in a compassionate way, I think it's just this bombardment of people who would take advantage of others. And again, it goes back to follow the money. It goes back to grift. It goes back to media. It goes back to the fact that you can monetize belief systems that aren't true. That is what is going on. And that now has turned into an actual belief system, um, almost cult-like behavior, that there's some kind of, you know, Xerxes-type god king that has a direct connection to, you know, enlightenment. And, you know, a lot of people think that's Donald Trump. I would humbly submit Donald Trump is just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. That's it. And we are never supposed to, as Americans... Uh, be devoted to a person, but to an idea, to the Constitution, to a way of life where all of us are free, not where one person has the idea. Let me tell you, I wouldn't follow Donald Trump's path if somebody paid me, right? I wouldn't follow him to a path. And um, that's that's the issue that we have, is that I'm my own man, you're your own woman, and we're here as Americans saying, let's just deal on a fact-based plane. Let's not give in to sort of this this fantasy because we want to belong to a tribe and i think that's the combination of i think i think this idea that the deep state or the government has is completely bad has been memed into certain segments of the population i think that those who would take advantage of it have and i think president trump was sort of the pinnacle of that and now you're seeing a complete grift in the hundreds of millions of dollars in fundraising yep. to push these fantastical awful things I, I don't know if that's where you wanted to go but that's that's where i think no no i think you you said it right and and i got to tell you again the heartbreaking thing about this in the middle of a global pandemic where we now have almost 300,000 dead americans we have millions infected and the best thing these people can do is not only be irresponsible with their own health and that of their children followed by and following the leader if you will of the pack who sets the tone but what worries me is have they stopped to think that like you just said something like 400 million dollars since october and even more 
uh, another 200 million, I think, since the election loss. And the whole grift that's going on, people, buckle up for this. I don't know if you heard this the other night, Congressman, but the president said that they were victims. They were all victims. Imagine your leader of your party, the leader of your movement, not empowering you, not giving you hope, not feeding you life and 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 righteousness and, and idealism, but telling you you're a victim and telling you that they stole the election from you and telling you that it was rigged and telling you all of this stuff that people believe. And what I worry about, Congressman, as you just said, is I don't know that we've really come back from this when you've got, what, 74 million people that voted for the guy? Um, I guess my, my, my segue to the last segment here, and then we'll wrap it up, is two things. One, um, can the Republican Party recover from Donald Trump? Uh, or does it even want to? And then the second question I'd like you to answer is, what happens to the Republican Party of Virginia post uh, Donald Trump? Oh, you know, you know, hope is not usually a viable course of action, is it? So, you know, my, <laughs> my hope is, um, my hope is, is that this is a, a hot burning virus, um, and uh, that we can actually fight this virus. I don't think all seventy-four million people believe, you know, that uh, aliens have a moon base, you know, or that we have a base with them on Mars, or that the Democrats harvest children. Right, or that Osama bin Laden had a body double, or that Vice President Biden or Biden, President-elect Biden now, uh, you know, ordered the killing of SEAL Team Six. Right, I, I just can't believe that everybody believes that, but they believe in tennis. So I think, but out of the 74 million, I would hope um, that you know, 50 million haven't gone down that rabbit hole. Um, but I would tell you, some of the millions that have, I think that's your worry, right? It's millions. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we deprogram people? We don't deprogram them by, by stupid stuff like thinking that we can force it on them. But we have to do, again, we need that three-pronged approach of using big data, machine learning, and fact-based analysis and actually fighting this disinformation where it lives and dragging that into the sunlight and disinfecting it. And But as far as the Republican Party, uh, I, I, it's very hard for me to identify as a Republican right now, to be blunt. Um Especially in the Virginia GOP, as you know, I know what a rigged election looks like. I know you what sure not do. Looks. You sure you know, do. I know, I know what not. No due process. Looks. I mean, and that's no. what Bob's so un-American. A primary, folks, for my listeners, particularly my Virginia listeners, let me school you, and then I'll let the congressman finish. A primary is something that, at its most base core, is so democratic because it gives the voters the opportunity in their own political party. Of course, in Virginia, as you know, we have open primaries. You can vote in a Democrat one, Republican one. And, and it's, it's important because it really lets the voters speak. When you do these little conventions, that's rigging. That's, that's, that's rigging the process. Anyway, go back to your thought, Congressman, on Virginia. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is that it seemed like the Republican Party in Virginia just, I think, elected for a statewide convention, did they not? Yep, and they sure did. I, and the Republican Party of Virginia is about disenfranchising as many as possible, not including as many as possible. Mm. And, you know, I've always said I wanted a Big Ten party, as you know. Amen. And, and I've lived my life that way. The issue that we're having by disenfranchising folks and just including those on the fringes is that instead of a big tent party, we're becoming a carnival tent. Right. And, and you, you know, can't win that way in the general because your candidate never. is so far right or so grassroots, I'll use a nice word, that when you get to the general, everybody knows whether you're running for president, governor, congressman, whatever it is, senator, you, you, you win elections in the middle. It's not on the fringes, you know, and that's where the Republican Party's dying a fast death. 
It, it's, it is. I mean, you think about one of the leading Republican contenders likes to take pictures in front of QAnon flags. It's Amanda Chase. Yeah. Right? Well, um, she's going to run know. as an independent, though, from what I read, because she's not happy about the primary, which, frankly, I would think would be to her benefit. Uh, it's, it, uh, a convention would be to her benefit, right? Right. And that's why I'm, I'm sort of... But she says, no, it won't be, because she... Remember, she was kicked out of the... Uh, the committee, they, they, they put her out the Senate caucus, I think, for some of her wacky ideas. And then she got so basically Mark Obashane and those guys who are getting the blame for it because they're the moderate elites. Um, she's saying that they will block her, basically, and, and basically disqualify her. That's what I think I read. Well, maybe so. I just know that, you know, me and Amanda, well, I would say this. Amanda and I don't agree on a whole lot, but we do agree the primaries are the way to go. Um, I think she would get slaughtered in a primary. Me too. Uh, and, you know, and, but at least you know, it's fair. It, it's at fair. At least it's fair. At least it's fair. And, but she is, you know, she'll get slaughtered in a general. But, you know, if she can convince pe- enough people that her, her way of thinking is the way to go, which scares me in Virginia, she could do very well, you know, in some of the counties, you know, south of Charlottesville, as you know, south and southwest. And so that that's what frightens me is the Republican Party cannot be Amanda Chase. If it is, there's no way I would get anywhere near the Republican Party. Well, I think, I think, look, you know, and we'll wrap with this. Uh, you and I could talk forever, and we're going to have you back when next year happens and after the election, uh, I'm sorry, the inauguration. But on that, I want to say something. You're a girl dad, right? You have three daughters, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So girl yes. dads are really cool because, you know, my brother's a girl dad. He's got girls. And um, I'm curious, you as a dad of daughters, Seeing the first woman elected as vice president of the United States of America and women being appointed secretary of treasury for the first time. What do you think about that? How does it make you feel as a dad of daughters? Well, it scares me because they're so much smarter than me. (laughs) 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 So, and you know, and uh, you know, my wife is CEO of our distillery, Silverback, as you know. Um, My daughter, we have the only mother-daughter master distilling team in the country. Awesome. Um, Yep, my other daughter, who has her master's from the University of Edinburgh in film directing and uh, digital media, is actually running our Pennsylvania distillery wow. um, and starting her own production company. My third daughter worked at the National Ground Intelligence Center, 23 years old and already doing the work that I like to do. And I always tell people, Sophia, that, you know, I love to hunt terrorists and make whiskey. And I got two daughters making whiskey and one daughter hunt terrorists. <laughs> um, I love you know, it. But seriously, right? answer my question. Come on. What, yes. what does it mean to the country to have a woman vice president? in particular woman of color I think it's where we go as a country and I think we should be as happy as we've ever been to see that everybody can achieve what they want to achieve in the United States and you know I got in big trouble for congratulating uh, Vice President-elect Harris I don't know if you know that on November 7th no shame on anybody that got mad at you for doing the decent human American thing God help us yes and, and when I congratulated you know, uh, when I congratulated Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, um, I thought it was the decent thing to do. And, and I also said in the tweet, to, to have a woman vice president of color, I think is, my gosh, this is this is history. I saw your tweet, actually. I did, and I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was history. And, and, and to see, and, and, and by the way, since, you know, I have a wife and daughters that are so incredible and smart and, and, and empowered, you know, that, that's why I know that this country is in great hands. It doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, black, white, what your sexual orientation is, gender. I, I don't care. What I care about is if you care about other people's ability to live the way they want to live. That's it, right? I mean, why would we care? What? I, and that's what I get really 
frustrated about, you know, when, when somebody says these type of things, especially if it's about women, because, you know, my wife and daughters would kick my ass, right? So <laughs> that's, you know, so we're, we're in an incredible place right now to have a vice president-elect, like, you know, like Kamala, to, to have, you know, and I might not, and it's not about policies either. That's the yeah, thing. Like, I, I don't agree with her on a lot of no. things, but she's my sorority sister and, I, and, I'm, and I'm excited for her. Yeah, of course. I mean, you could say I, I don't agree on policies and I'll fight you on policies. Absolutely. But, but it doesn't mean, that's the American way, by the way. But Absolutely. It doesn't mean that as a person, I somehow am against you as a human being. Are you insane? Yes. Right? That's not how I'm wired. And to see, you know, you know, Flournoy, and you see all these people that have done incredible things. Look at Janet Yellen. I mean, she's brilliant, right? And so you have all these individuals that are brilliant people. Let's not, let's not say they're a brilliant woman or a brilliant man. Right. They're, they're smart they're people. people. Right. They're smart right. people. And, right. And I'm, and I'm proud that we have a country that's, that's at this point right now. Me too. Well, I tell you what, Congressman Denver Riggleman, you are, and I want to say this and I mean this, you've been amazing over the last uh, couple of months just watching you on the media, looking at your tweets, watching you stand your ground. I've seen the vicious attacks. I've seen the threats. I get them. We all get them. And I love that you have kept your head up, as Michelle Obama would say, when they go low, you continue to go high. I know that you are not finished in politics. I think we have great work to do. I think that uh, we have great work to do here in our great commonwealth that we both love. And I think that after this infection or this virus, as you called it, is gone, I think we can get back to rebuilding a an inclusive big tent Republican party that reflects Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses Grant and Teddy Roosevelt and Dwight Eisenhower. And, and again, Margaret Chase Smith, one of my heroes, Reagan, um, and I'm looking forward to working with you on that. So thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, since we've, you know, it's just amazing since me and you started talking is, is watching you too. And you continue the incredible work. And, you know, when I talk about incredible women, you should be on that list. Well, but, uh, I, I'm humbled by it. Tell people how they can follow you and find you on social media. Well, be careful out there. You know, I got a pretty explosive Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, and it's not my fault. You know, I just try to do facts, and sometimes facts make people angry. But on Twitter, on the official side, it's Rep Riggleman. Uh, if you want to go to the Twitter on my campaign side, which is more personal, that's Denver4VA, the number 4VA. Um, obviously, you can you can go to my uh, website, you know, riggleman.house.gov. Obviously, you know, on the official Are side. Are you on Facebook, too? I am on Facebook. You know, I, I am on Facebook. You can go to uh, not only Rep Riggleman uh, official, but also Denver for Congress. Dot com uh, for my website, but also on Facebook. You can go to the Deborah Riggleman campaign page and the official page for Deborah Riggleman. I got a lot of social Well, media. good. No, that's good. I want people to know how to find you because I know this is going to be a popular interview. Look, I'm going to have you back. We're going to get that drink before the year is out. I'm committed to it. I'm coming to the distillery and I'm going to be ready to buy stuff and drink. So uh, you take care and we'll be in touch soon, Congressman. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, and uh, again, what a pleasure. Thank you, ma'am. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.